Gracious, almighty God, we praise you. For you alone are God, and there is no one else. Our God is one. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Christ, we thank you. Spirit, we thank you that you have given us your word. We pray that as we look at it, you would make known to us your ways and teach us your paths, that we may walk in them. We pray this for the glory of Christ. Amen. James chapter 1. I'll be reading verses 1 through to verse 12, uh, and then we'll be focusing on verses 9 to 12. James 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. This is the word of God. Well, last time I preached, we looked at verses 1 through to verse 8. And as we begun this book of uh, James, we've been looking at um, this first chapter so far. And James, if I can remind you from last time, James writes about uh, wisdom. He writes about true faith and what that looks like. He writes about persevering in the midst of trials and how we can live all those things out in honour to God. And as we saw last time, as we'll, saw, as we'll see today, true faith perseveres in trials. And that's the first test of true faith, that it perseveres in trials. Because when we suffer, we must honour God in the midst of our suffering. And last time we looked at verses 1 through to verse 4, that we had to count it joy. We consider it pure joy when we suffer. And we already had reasons for that, and we'll see some more reasons today. And next, from verses 5 to 8, that we're to ask for wisdom in the midst of our suffering. And when we ask for wisdom, we're to ask in faith, not doubting God. Today, we'll look at verses 9 to 11, we're to boast in our status. We're to boast in our status. And then the last verse, verse 12, we're to see the reward. We're to see the reward. One last sermon that we looked at 
when we counted it joy in trials, we saw that in the midst of trials, we're not to grumble or complain, but rather it's to bring us joy. And we saw that the first two reasons for that is that it tests the genuineness of our faith. It tests the genuineness of our faith. Because if our faith that we profess fizzles out, it shows that it was never true to begin with. But when you suffer and you endure by God's grace, your faith is shown to be genuine. And that gives us joy. But also, when we persevere in that faith, we are matured, we are grown, we're sanctified. And that also should bring us great joy because we're made more and more by God's grace to be like Christ. And that brings us great joy because it pleases God. True faith endures and it results in maturity and sanctification. And in the midst of that, to help us to see trials the way God does, we're to ask for wisdom. We're to ask God, who gives all wisdom, to see trials rightly and to suffer well. And we're to ask with faith, without doubting God, because he gives so generously. And so, as we look at verses 9 to 12, first thing, have a look with me, verse 9 to 11. Boast in your status. Boast in your status. I'll read those verses again, verse 9 to 11. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. You can see here two people and you can categorize them in two ways. There's an earthly status. You've got rich and you've got poor. In verse 9, it's the brother in humble circumstances, the one who is poor because he's contrasted with the one who is rich in the next couple of verses. That's the earthly status, rich and poor. And whether you're a believer, you'll be somewhere in the midst of that. There's nothing outside that. You can, if you're kind of in the middle, you've probably got more money than someone else. And you've probably got less money than someone else. But both of them have the same duty. They're to take pride in something. They're to take pride in something. And they're to take pride in something that's the opposite of their earthly status. They're to take pride in something that's the opposite. I don't know if you recognize that as, as I was reading. But they're to take pride in the opposite thing because... Our earthly status, whether we're rich or poor, can tempt us to certain sins. Because if you're rich, we tend to trust in our money. We tend to forget God. We tend to find our happiness in the things in this life. We forget that this life and all our money will go. It will fade away. It will disappear. And that's what riches do. They tempt us to sin in that way. But if we're poor, we have other sins we forget all the riches that we have in Christ. And we can sometimes tend to be envious of those who are rich or wish that we just had more. And we don't know why God has given us nothing or so little. We're envious. We're frustrated with what we don't have. We forget the riches of our salvation in Christ. And what our suffering does is it gives us a heavenly mindset. 
It turns everything on its head. And God, through suffering, teaches us many important lessons as we looked at last time, but important lessons here. When we suffer, we're to suffer, suffer rightly. But first, verse 9, the brother in humble circumstances. Now this, this word humble circumstance means someone, a Christian, who is lowly. And in contrast, as I said to verse 10, it's someone usually who is poor, who is in poverty. In Luke 1, verses 46 to 48, Mary said this when she had news that she would give birth to the Christ. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble state of his servant. This is Mary. She realized how favored she was by God. Not as the Roman Catholics say that she in of herself has favor. No, she's favored by God. Why? Because she knows how humble she is in that sense of her circumstances. She was nothing special. She was in a humble state. What is this uh, Christian in humble circumstances to do? They ought to take pride in their high position. In their high position. Well, what is this high position? But first, before we get there, what does it mean to take pride? Well, this word to take pride means to glory in, to boast. And usually when we think of boasting, we think of something that's bad. Because usually when we boast, we're not boasting about good things. We're often boasting about ourselves. And so often when we hear this word boast, we think it's a bad word. And sometimes it is because it depends about what we boast. That makes all the difference. Apostle Paul, when he boasted, right, and you can read it in his letters, he boasted about his weakness. What else did he boast about? He boasted about other believers. And you see this particularly in the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He boasted in other believers. And he boasted particularly in the Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. As Paul said, let him, him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so what we boast about makes all the difference. And so we are to boast, but about the right things. And so what is the poor believer to boast about? Well, they're to boast about their high position. What is this high position? Because when they're in the midst of suffering, and particularly when they suffer and they have no money to get themselves, as it were, out of that situation, there's no money to trust in. That believer is to take pride in what? Their high position. Because their high position at that time is not that suffering. Their high position is not their money. They've been stripped of that. What is their high position? Well, this word high position simply means a height. And that word is used often to describe heaven in the New Testament. In Luke 1, 78, it's prophesied that the sunrise, talking about Christ, the sunrise shall visit God's people from on high. Where did Christ come from? Heaven. He came from heaven. When God's people, when the early believers were given the promise, or by Jesus, that they would await for the Holy Spirit, they would await from power on high. That word high there, same word. Same word. Or when in Ephesians 4, it says Jesus ascended. It says that he ascended on high. And so when 
James writes here that they are to take pride in their high position. What is that high position? It's a heavenly one. It's a heavenly one that they're to take pride in. Well, what is this high position? Well, firstly, they're high in status. Because if you're a believer, you're a son and daughter of the living God. And there is no greater position. There's no greater status in all the earth. But you're also not only high in your status, you're high in your destination. You're high in your destination. And sometimes we, we love to, to figure out where celebrities are going. Or I don't, but the world does at least. Right? They want to figure out where the celebrities are going to. Right? And sometimes where they go to, you know, everyone, you know, they're taking all these pictures because they're at this amazing place, this venue, and there's an amazing party there. We, you know, the world loves to figure out where they're going to. But you know what? Where our destination is, it's heaven. It's heaven. In Isaiah, it says that God dwells in a high and holy place. A high and holy place. And if you're a believer, that's where you're going. That's where you're going. And even in the midst of suffering, you're to boast in your status that you're a son and daughter of the living God. And you're to boast in your destination that you're going to heaven. But you're also to boast in how high your inheritance is. How high your inheritance is. We are told in Ephesians 1 that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, in the heavenly places. It's there. It's there in heaven. And we have it now. We have it now. Yes, we don't see it yet, but we have it now. In verse 12, we'll see it's inheritance. It's a crown of life, and we'll look at what that means. But over in chapter 2, verse 5... Chapter 2, verse 5, James says, Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor poor in the eyes of the world? And notice there it says, poor in the eyes of the world. Because it really depends on how you're looking at things. And that's what suffering does. It helps you look with the eyes of God and what He sees. Verse 5 of chapter 2, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? And to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. God has chosen them. You didn't attain this high status. And that's why you can boast in it. See, if you'd earned this status in heaven, you could boast about it. Because it's a pretty good thing if you managed to earn heaven. There's only one man who ever did that. And he's in heaven right now. Jesus. So if you earn heaven on your own steam, good, you can boast about it, right? If you attained it, but you can't. Even with one good thing you do, it's so mixed with sin. So often, yes, we can please God as a believer. That is true. You can't attain heaven on your own steam. And that's why we can boast in it. That's why God approves of our boasting in heaven. Because we didn't earn it. We can boast in our status. Because we didn't adopt ourselves into his family, did we? God did that. He gave us the right to become children of God. He gave us that right. We have an inheritance that we have no claim to in and of ourselves except through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, and you may know this well, 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. What a beautiful verse. And Paul kind of just chucks that verse in the middle of the chapter about giving. He just chucks that in there, but it's such a a beautiful verse that through Christ's poverty, through his suffering, we might become rich, and we are rich. Not in the eyes of the world, as, as James is writing to believers here. Don't, don't, he says, boast in your status in Christ, that you are rich in Christ with a heavenly status in Him. And so when trials come your way, when trials come to you, when you're suffering in the midst of them, when you've got troubles and trials, whatever it is, Boast in your heavenly status. Boast in that status. Have you realized how high your position is in Christ? How, do you realize how high it is? How often we take it for granted? Or how often we just, we can often so cheapen it? We say, yeah, eternal life. Yeah, well, we'll get some rule. You know, there'll be something after death. Yeah, I get to go be with God. Do you realize how great that is? Do you realize how high you are, even as you are cast down low through suffering and trials? We must realize that before we can boast in it, because when we realize how high it is, we boast in it all the more. An arrogant person loves to tell everyone about themselves and what they've done, and what they've achieved, and what they've merited. But we boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because of all he has done for us. All he has earned before God. An arrogant person boasted, uh, boasts and they look arrogant and they sound arrogant. But when we boast, it's the opposite. We look humble. And when it sound humble, when we boast, doesn't that sound contradictory to you? But it shouldn't. Because we're not boasting about ourselves. Because we're exalting God. We're exalting God. But have a look with me. Verse 10 and 11. The brother who is rich. The brother who is rich. It's 10, 11. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. The Christian, about, the Christian to whom God has providentially given much wealth, or even some wealth, because let's face it, compared to the rest of the world, we have quite a lot. We have quite a lot. And when God gives us money, we're not to boast about that money, we're to boast in our low position. In our low position. How does this work? Well, Jeremiah 9 23 to 24 says, Thus says Yahweh, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. He understands and knows me. Riches are not to be boasted in. God is. Well, what must a rich believer glory in here? 
Yes, God, but in relation to God, his low position. What is this low position? Because in the eyes of the world, they've got a pretty high position. What is their low position? Well, that's the position that suffering bring, to which suffering brings us. Suffering humbles us. Because in the midst of our suffering, money often doesn't help. When there's a wound from a friend, what's your money going to buy you then? What's your money going to buy you? Right when you've got a terminal illness, what's it going to buy you? Nothing. Nothing. If you have chronic pain, what's medication going to do that you can buy? It's going to alleviate for a little bit and then it comes straight back. So, would you boast in wealth? No, we're to boast in the low position. How does that work? Because trials humble us and as they humble us, we glory in our low position because it makes us dependent on God. And when trials put us in a low position, we can't boast about ourselves. We can't boast about ourselves. And our money, which we may have been relying on, God loves to strip that away. He loves to show us how vain money is, how fleeting it is, how useless it is in light of eternity. 1 Timothy 6 says this, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be proud, or the word haughty or proud, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. But on God. God helps us to do this and speeds up this process through trials. Have you ever seen at the end of a trial, right, maybe you were struggling with sin, or maybe it was a specific sin of trusting in money, seeing that paycheck come in and going, yeah, that paycheck's meant to come in, that's good. And that's it. You don't give thanks to God. You don't realize that he's the one who's given that to you. Whatever it is. And then, and then you're struggling with some sin. And then God brings suffering along your way. And he casts you down. He makes you depend upon him. And then you see the beauty and glory of that humbling. It hurts. How much does humbling hurt? A lot. But as believers, we glory in it. Why? Because God gets the glory. Why? Because we're, we're, we're shown our sin that we were living in before. And we repent of it. Why? Because it draws us nearer to God. There are so many reasons. God humbles us through trials so we aren't proud. God shows us the uncertainty of riches so we see the certainty of God. God makes us depend on Him and not money. Have a look with me. Verse 10 and 11 again. Because, this is the reason that, we're to, that the rich are to take pride in the low position, because he will pass away like a wildflower. Verse 11, for the sun rises with scorching heat. And this is like the scorching heat that God brings with trials. It's what the scorching heat is. Trials. And withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. God sends the son of affliction and casts away any trust that we could have on riches. Have a look with, with me at the, verse, at the words there, those specific words, withers, scorching, 
passes away, destroyed, falls, fade away. All these words, there's such an impermanence. They just, like, they don't last. They don't last. And trials show us that they don't last. As Tade read out before Isaiah 40, all flesh is like grass and all its beauty, beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of Yahweh blows in it. It goes. It goes. And that's, that's what Isaiah 40 is saying. The breath of the Lord. It just it goes. That's what a trial does. Again, it tests the genuineness of your faith. If you have money and trials make you cast yourself off completely from God, again, it shows that you were never saved. But if you glory in that humiliation, if you glory in that humbling, in that low position, it's beautiful because it shows you that you have a genuine faith that casts itself on God. Aren't trials so humbling? Humiliating. Do you rejoice when you're crushed? Does that bring joy to you? I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. It does. But does that bring you joy when your pride is crushed? When you're stripped of things? As Job said, right? He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yes, he was sorrowful, but he rejoiced in the fact that God was God. He'd given him all the riches to begin with, and he could take it away. It's his right. We don't deserve it, any of it. And where to take pride and glory in that low position and in that, in that humble position, God gives us more grace. Do you remember the scripture that says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble? What a beautiful verse. Because when trials humble you, and when God strips away any money you had, when he strips away things that you trust in, take pride in your low position because God gives you more grace in the midst of that. How often are we so blind? That's what it says in verse 11. The rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. How often we are so blind to these things. Is your money tempting you to be blind towards God? Is your money tempting you to forget the uncertainty of the thing of which you're trusting? Don't trust in money. And if you are, repent and cast your trust on the one who doesn't fade away, on the Lord Jesus Christ. But next, verse 12. Not only are we to glory in our status, right? In, in, in our glorious heavenly status in Christ in another low position that trials bring us in. But next we're to see the reward. See the reward. Because it's not that we just get to heaven and God goes, all right, you're here. Okay, that's it. Just sit down and do nothing for eternity. And you get nothing good for eternity. You've had suffering in life, but it's just a little bit of, well, you know what? I'll take away your suffering and that's it. You know, as long as you don't have suffering, you'll be fine and you can do whatever you like. No, it's much more than that. It's much more than that. As we'll see, verse 12, blessed, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Verse 12, first we see the blessedness of the reward, the blessedness of the reward. What comes at the end of suffering? 
Because when you realize the blessedness of the reward, and we'll see what the reward is in a second, we'll look at that, it just makes trust so much easier. The blessedness of the reward. Have a look at me. That, that first word, blessed. Blessed. Or it can be translated happy. But it's, it's, not, it's not a happiness that the world has. It's, it's like the joy that we, we saw earlier on. It's a joy in the midst of sorrow. It's rooted in Christ. It's a deep, grace-producing happiness or joy. It's grace-induced. It's produced by grace. That every believer can have in trials. Now, what are the reasons James has given so far? Well, joy. Why should we have joy in trials? Why? Again, it tests our faith. And it's shown to be genuine. But I have a joy. Why? Right, do you remember how we, we looked at that, uh, where it starts off with trials and the testing of our faith? That should bring us joy. Because why? Because we persevere. And we should have joy that we're persevering by God's grace. And then we're to take joy in the fact that we're maturing as we persevere. But James adds more in here. Because if you endure and you're persevering and you pass the test, you will have a crown of life. You will have a crown of life. And that's the blessedness. That's the joy. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. Can you maybe turn there to, uh, to Romans 5, verses 3 to 5? I want you to see something. I don't know whether you, you've ever noticed this as you've read through Romans 5. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. <clears throat> because we've got the same transition in times of suffering. Verse 3, Romans 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Sounds like James. Sounds like scripture. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. What's the next thing? Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Can you see that there? That exact same flow-on effect. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character. That's the maturity. That's the maturity. That's the sanctification. And what does it lead to? Hope. And it's not a hope that disappoints us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Spirit whom we have been given by God. And so a deep joy and a sense of blessedness follows us every part of that journey, in every facet of our suffering, in everything. And I want you to see that. Just draw out all these points in the midst of suffering, and they should all give you joy. For some, suffering may never end in this life. But it will one day. It will one day. It will one day. Suffering and trials and temptation are all on the road to heaven. And we must all face them at various times. And the Lord gives us, to some of us, more suffering. To some of us, he gives less. In his good wisdom. But may we all take joy in whatever the Lord gives to our path. But there's a blessedness here. Paul says in Acts 14, Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. But we must rejoice in this hope. Have a look with me. The reward itself. Have a look with me. Three words. The crown of life. The crown of life. What is this crown? From the 
children's talk before, the, this crown, the word Stephanos, it was a, a crown that a, often an athlete or someone who was victorious would be given. And it was different from a crown often that a king would wear. Jesus has that crown. But we have a crown given us by God, a victory crown. It's an honor from God. And unlike athletes who earn their crown, and if you don't earn it, you don't get a crown. We don't earn anything. We don't earn this crown at all. But what is this crown? Or crown of life can be translated, the crown that is life. A crown that is life. Because this crown, at its foundation level, is eternal life. That's what it is. Eternal life. And it's not just life that goes on forever. It's not just life that we, you know, we get to heaven, we're just sitting there doing nothing. It's much more than that. No, it's a life with God in perfect blessedness and holiness, with perfect joy in heaven. You'll be perfectly, eternally satisfied in God, in Christ Jesus, forever and ever and ever. That's life in heaven. That's life in heaven. And you know what? You have it now if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember all those verses? Even John 3.16? It says, they shall not perish, but they shall have eternal life. What's the condition? That they trust, that they believe. They will have eternal life. If you trust in Christ, you have that eternal life now. You don't see it, but you have it. That's important to always remember. You have it now. And because you have it now, you look forward to it with expectation on that final day. It is purchased by Christ in his death and his resurrection. And at the moment you believe, you have it. And then you will see it on that final day. Either when Christ comes back or when you go to him. You will see it. But, as it says here in verse 12, you must endure to the end. Because everyone who is truly trusting Christ will endure to the end. Revelation 2 verse 10. Jesus says to the church in Smyrna, he says, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, ready, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful. You're about to suffer. Be faithful and I will give you this reward. This reward. But who receives this reward? I've already said who trusts in Christ. But what other facets does this verse 12 give us? Who are the recipients of this crown of life? Because it's not just those who suffer. Because many people suffer. It's those who endure, as we'll see. Verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. That's the first thing. We've looked at that. True faith perseveres. Keep going. Keep fighting. The one who perseveres under trial. True faith bears trials. It looks to God for help in the midst of trials. It asks for wisdom from God in the midst of trials. It expects trials. It doesn't seek to grumble in trials. It rejoices in trials. 
That's the one who perseveres in trials. What does Romans 12 verse 12 say? Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. You see it all throughout scripture. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That word patient there. Same word. Persevere under trials. But next, those who have stood the test. Or can be translated, pass the test. Or approved. Who, by whom are we approved? Who approves us? It's not each other. It's God. It's God. And it's not just talking about one trial. It's talking about the whole of this life. All our trials put together. When you have passed the test, when you've persevered, that's the one who gets the crown of life. Not because they deserve it by what they've done, but that's what marks out the one whom God is giving crowns to. They pass the test by God's grace. And lastly, those who love him. God has promised it to those who love him. And all these things go hand in hand. What, what causes you to, to persevere in trials? Your joy in the midst of trials. Right? In all that God is doing in the midst of your trials. Why do you, why do you persevere in trials? The hope that God has placed before you in heaven that you look to. And this love here, the love you have for God. The love you have for God and all that he's done for you in Christ. Joy enables us to push on. A hope laid up for us in heaven enables us to push on. And this love for God. Because he first loved us. James 2 verse 5. We read it out before. God has chosen the poor in the world to be heirs of the kingdom, which is promised to those who love him. Jesus is the only one who has earned this crown. He is the only one who has merited it because he is the only one who has perfectly obeyed God in every way. And when you ask an unbeliever, why should God let you into heaven, and they, they think that they're a Christian but they're not, they'll, they'll say something about works. But on that final day when we get there, not that God will ask us the question because he knows his elect already, but we will never boast in our own works. We'll boast in the one who has earned that crown of life. He's earned it in his life. He's earned it in his death. And that has been declared in his resurrection for all to see and hear. He is the only one. God says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased when he ascended on high, God, God gave him that crown because he deserved it. And we get a crown because we're in him. <clears throat> it was his divine right. And God's sheer grace is that we should even have a crown. So meditate on this crown that God is giving you out of his, his lavishing his grace on us in Christ. Believe it, never forget that. Never forget it. Never forget who earned it. And it's God's grace. Look to the reward. 
as every runner looks to the end. And they have to look to the end. They have to look and know where they're running. Look to the end. And the one who's at that end, who's won that for you, be focused in your running. Look to the hope. Look to the unearned reward that God lavishly lavishly gives you. Meditate on it. Think on it. And how it is yours in Christ. And you will be encouraged as you suffer trials. And the more you meditate on it, the more you will rejoice in hope. The more you'll be patient in tribulation. The more you'll be constant in prayer in the midst of any trial. No matter how deep that trial is. No matter how deep it casts you. God's grace is much higher than that. And the glory that awaits us is worth much more. That crown of life, that eternal life that God has given us, suffering doesn't even compare to that. Meditate on this eternal life. So in your trials, count them joy. Ask God for wisdom in faith. Boast about your status before God in the midst of trials. And then look to the hope that God gives you in Christ. And never forget it. But if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, if you've never trusted in Christ, you have no hope of heaven. And if you think that you have heaven without trusting in Christ, you're kidding yourself. Because you can't earn it. You can't. You cannot take that crown of God, sorry, that crown of life from God on that final day. God gives it. And he will not give it to you. The only ones that he gives it to are the ones that he sustains by his grace. Those who love him. Those who, that, and you know who those are? Those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have no hope on that final day if you've never trusted in Christ. And the suffering that you may face in this life, that's meant to point you to the realities of hell. It's meant to make you to wake up There's only one saviour from hell, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he suffered hell on the cross. Not so you can continue in your unbelief, but so that you would turn to him and be saved. Turn from your sins. Turn to Christ. You will have this hope of eternal life that he gives to all who love him. Trust in his son. What a great saviour. Let's pray. Almighty God, we praise you. And as your son, the king of glory, ascended into heaven, we praise you for you gave him that crown. He is the king of glory, the Lord of hosts, the one Lord who is victorious over all. And we thank you that in Christ we have that victory. We thank you that in Christ we have that victory. And we pray that you would strengthen us in the midst of trials. We pray that we would look to you. We pray that we would be drawn closer and closer to you, that we would be humbled by it and that we would rejoice in that. 
Because, Lord, because you get all the glory and your Son gets all the praise, we pray that we will look to the great hope that we have in him, that we would find joy always in the midst of our trials. And Lord, for those here who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, please, Lord, help them to see that they have no hope. They're without hope because they're without Christ. But please have mercy on them. Open their eyes that they might see the suffering that awaits them. That they would see also the hope of eternal life, this crown of life in Christ. Please draw them to yourself and grant them repentance, Lord. Please, for their sake and for the glory of our Saviour. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.